Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. So Julia, who's joining us on the podcast this week? This week, Josh, we've got Amy O'Brien. Amy started her dental career as a dental nurse. Five years into working as a dental nurse, she decided to train as a dental hygienist. She then went to work in multiple practices. I think it's a combination of things. We as a team very firmly believe in going over and above, and we always have done. And now, currently, is working in a large specialist practice and sharing her clinical working week with being a practice manager there. I think it's a huge bonus. Granted, some of my non-clinical practice manager colleagues out there are phenomenal and I take my hat off to them. But having a clinical background yeah. massively helps the management side of things. Um, and it it just works. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. So you did five years working as a dental nurse before deciding to retrain as a hygienist. I did. So what led you to then take that plunge and explore that different career journey? Um combination of things really I really enjoyed working with the public and providing that patient service rather than customer service but having got my oral health education diploma and being able to see patients independently kind of wanted to build on that and hygiene seemed like the next step the obvious step to be able to do that Um, but I didn't really know much about it and my best friend had gone off and done it and I thought well if she can do it I can do it (laughs) Um, so I applied and got in on the first round of interviews, which was a little bit, that's a bit weird. I wasn't expecting that. Um, but it was nice because it still gave me that opportunity to work with patients and be, become a clinician and have my own responsibilities, make my own clinical judgment, use my skills, um, and work as a part of a wider team, which I really enjoyed from the nursing side of things, getting more involved and doing more, more things than your average day-to-day nursing role. So, yeah. So we've got you on this podcast because you're a clinical dental hygienist. Yeah. And you're also the practice manager. I am. And this is quite an unusual role for perhaps a practicing hygienist. You know, we we hear historically about non-dental people going into Mm. management or even dental nurses for that matter. So perhaps talk us through that turning point that made you decide, hey, I'm not going to do as much clinical work. I'm going to go into the management of the practice. Mm -hmm. So... I was quite lucky that the practice I predominantly started working at when I qualified had a non-clinical practice manager who was really struggling with the implementation of HTML 105, the CQC, was really struggling to get her head around it. And me having qualified from the Eastman where we were already doing lots of things, central sterilization, those sorts of things, we started working together. So I was giving her advice and guidance and try doing it this way. And we need those sorts of things. And she unfortunately left and we were left without a practice manager. And I was just having one of those random coffee break conversations with the principal. Don't really know what I want to do. Do I want to do hygiene forever? I was working in another practice and he just said, well, come and run this place. And I was like, all right, you're on. And I did. So Simple as that. Simple as that. <laughs> simple as that. Coffee. You know, it's, it's all those chance it, conversations about everything, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, completely. I did have to go back and check that he wasn't joking, um, <laughs> but he was deadly serious. He said, no, he said, you've got that sort of knowledge inside of it. In my role as a dental nurse, I'd been responsible for the stock management, the ordering, liaising with the reps, 
um, the sort of the basic stuff that a practice manager does as well. So it kind of just followed on one from the other. Um, so I made the decision. I gave my notice in at another practice that I was only doing a few hours a week. And I joined as practice manager January 2012, working at the time I was doing four days a week practice manager and two days a week as a practicing hygienist. So I was doing six day weeks. Wow. Yep. That's a busy old week. <laughs> Won't be doing that again. <laughs> um, I've always done minimum of two days in surgery and I do two long-ish days as well. Um, and I, that was how I split my week. But it meant that I could flip as it were so I could be a practice manager but then I could put my clinician head on for a situation and kind of go actually we need to approach that like that likewise being a hygienist I could put my practice manager head on and I still do on a regular basis where I get patients have a grumble in the chair where they come in oh I wasn't happy about that and I go oh tell me more tell me more and we can help and he what, what, what do you mean you can help or well, I'm also the practice manager and that look of recognition of oh Okay, I've actually got somebody right. in charge that potentially can help. It's so this nice. has been quite a well-established role for you then? Yeah, yeah. It's been made very clear from the beginning. Um, some of the team found it a little bit odd because I was mm. just yeah, a hygienist. And I don't we never joined. use that word in front of our title <laughs> no, on this podcast, never, let me tell you. No. We never say we're just a dentist or just a dental nurse. We but are, to some of my but, team yeah, at the time. I, I do, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of those things that I've got a particular bugbear about. So have so. I completely. Mm -hmm. But to some of my team at the time, that's how I was seen and that's how I sort of came across. Um, and I'd only ever joined the practice as a three-month locum hygienist in the first place. And two and a half years later, I'm now running the place. So it was a bit of a learning curve for all of us but very quickly I could turn around and go look these things are happening these things are changing I'm used to doing a lot of it I've helped already do quite a lot of it yes it kind of just makes sense and I'm on your side as well because I'm also a clinician so if something goes wrong it's going to affect me as well I can understand why that needs to be done in that way that can't happen in that way we need that piece of equipment etc and actually probably by the end of the first year because there were hurdles and teething problems and barriers, etc. Okay, we know what we're doing. We know how it works. And actually, it works. And I'd like to think it still does at the moment. Uh, well, Julia mentioned before about different um, clinical roles going into practice management, maybe dental mm. nurses, and then dentists can yep. own practices and manage practices. But I think all of our training is all about clinical dentistry, yes. clinical hygiene, but not necessarily about management or management of a practice nope. so how was that transition for you going between being a, a, a clinician to then being a manager and how how did you go about learning the extra things that you needed to learn to take on that new role it was a really hard transition really hard transition and I'm still learning 12 years on I'm still learning as, hey, we're all still learning. as a manager <laughs> exactly it's um, a sad day when you stop it Exactly. I, I'm really, really lucky and grateful that my practice principal and his wife, as was then partnership, um, were really willing to help me and work with me and guide me. And actually, this is the best way to do that. Um, he was members of various professional bodies where we could access their compliance support, their HR support, um, policies I'd never had to write before and was suddenly looking at them going, what? Um, but actually there was a template that somebody had created that I could use and customize, et cetera, those sorts of things. Um, a lot of it, I kind of 
not made it up as I went along, but you develop to the situation. Actually, that approach isn't going to work for there, but this approach might. Yeah. And I found as well, being a clinician and being able to go, do you know what? I've been in that situation as well. I've had that encounter with that patient. I've had that difficult patient, upset patient. I've had that member of the public, you know, shouting at me because an appointment was running late. We've all been there. And actually I can help and work with you guys as well. Um, and it helped that the team all got on board as well. Um, I've been on various courses with various professionals that are well known in the industry for guiding practice managers and helping practice managers. Um, at the time we were, well, we still are with Demplan. So we utilized a lot of their training and, and procedures. Um, and now we're at the point where it's running because we know what we're doing. We've been doing it now for 12 years. We know those policy templates. We know those procedures. We know those protocols. But it is really hard going into it if you don't know what you're doing. And you kind of think you know what's involved in running a dental practice. Well, I was, that, that sort of leads to my question <laughs> yeah. because I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot of people who <clears throat> who know that there is this person within yep. their dental units that sort of manages yep. it. but. Can you perhaps tease out your role a little bit more just so that people have a bit of more of an understanding about what you're doing in your job alongside your clinical dental hygiene job? So it's a little bit of everything. No two office days, as I call them, are the same for me. One minute you've got an HR issue that can be really small and you deal with it in 10 minutes. It can be really major. And actually, we need to set aside an hour and a half, have a conversation. What can we do, et cetera? You then go to an accounting issue. You're then chasing a supplier because an order hasn't turned up and nobody's told you. You're ringing a lab because that patient work isn't back and why weren't we told? And now we've got to move the appointment. You're dealing with patient complaints, which vary from a really small, oh, I've been kept waiting, to a really big, I'm really not happy, I want my money back, you know, really big, serious things. You've then got the maintenance of the building. Our practice building is coming up for 40 years old. So I'm forever walking around going, I need to add that to my list, need to add that to my list. We've just had a surgery repainted over the weekend. Um, it's maintaining the building's appearance because patients notice it when they come in and they go, oh, that crack's still in the ceiling. Those little things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, and it's so you've got to be a compulsive else. list writer. It sounds oh, like completely a list writer of lists, <laughs> um, and even then you might not get all of them done. Um, so yeah, so it goes to the the mundane every day today. Has cash up been done? Has somebody been to the bank? Have the patients been reminded of their following appointments? But actually, is the computer system working to allow that to happen? Have we got enough paper for the printer? Has the stationery been ordered? It's all those kind of the obvious things that people see. Um, Sounds like you probably never go on holiday. No. <laughs> always, always on call, always working. Um, yeah. But it's it's learning to delegate as well. Um, and actually, I don't need to do that anymore. I can train you and you can do that. And then it gives people also a wider understanding of the role of the practice manager. Because a lot of the time you are sat up in the office. Um, my office is upstairs. The practice is on the ground floor. People can't see what you're doing. And I'm sure they must think I'm sitting up there drinking tea and twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> I wish I was sometimes. Um, but it's only when you explain a task and say, right, I need you to take this over. This is why I need you to take it over. And I'm going to show you that they kind of go. And actually, you're empowering people, like Absolutely. you say. And I think that they'll value you more because they'll know what you're doing. And, exactly. And I think it makes their job more interesting. Doesn't and it? also, it 
it works on that kind of team spirit. It's not one person running the ship and sailing it. Everybody yeah. is taking part and everybody is taking that bit of responsibility so that if something does go wrong, the buck doesn't stop with one person. There's a few of you that can kind of go, actually, that process, we got that process wrong or that process didn't work. Um, and I like you say that that word empowering, I believe in empowering the team because it makes them more willing to come to work. It makes them more engaged when they're at work. It makes people more productive and it makes the day quicker and easier and yeah. happier. And I'm all for that at work because dentistry is hard. It's hard work. It's tough work. What we do dealing with the public is hard and tough so if we can make it but we all love it don't but we? we do we do but if we can make it smoother and quicker yeah. i'm all for it yeah and everyone's got a lot more to give i think a lot oh. of what we talk on this podcast is about people that are doing extra things and yep. and and you know pushing themselves further and it doesn't have to be a big career change it could be helping out a little bit with some more compliance stuff or doing a little maybe not being a practice manager but doing a little bit of practice management yeah. stuff as a yeah. dental nurse or whoever and, and it just makes life a bit more interesting doesn't and it? even just recognizing just having a, one of those random flippant off-the-cuff conversations with a colleague and going i'm sorry you can do what with excel why why am I why have I not been aware of this? Oh, before? you've got to be careful. You make mentioning the word Excel to me. Um, you know, I've but got to it, give a big shout out to my colleague Sarah. Yeah, I'm Excel. I must admit, I have my moments with it. But finding out other skills that people maybe don't want to sort of shout from the rooftops that actually you can utilize. Yeah. Give them that bit of job satisfaction. It's it's all for the benefit. So some, there might be some listeners that are doing mm -hmm. dental nursing, might be doing yep. hygiene, whatever, who might be thinking about doing something slightly different. Yep. And they might be thinking, oh, actually, this sounds quite interesting, this split between practice management and, and clinical work. First of all, can you talk about the benefits that you see of doing that for somebody who's considering it? And do you have any advice for somebody who might be thinking about that kind of transition? Mm, that's a tricky one. So benefit-wise, I think having that dual role is a huge bonus in itself because I find it gives me better clarity when it comes to dealing with certain situations. I'm easy, I find it easier if I've got a patient grumbling, as it were, I can sort of go, is this a clinical situation or is this a management situation? And actually sometimes when a patient doesn't realize that they're talking to the practice manager, to be able to turn around and go, well, that's fine. If you want to pass on your feedback to the practice manager, you're talking to her. <laughs> um, and I've caught quite a few people out that have been not very nice to reception, um, that are completely different with me because I'm a clinician to begin with. And actually, that shouldn't make a difference. We're all human. We're all doing a job. Yes. But it does give a little bit more authority and a little bit more clout. At the same time, as a clinician... I can see from the business side of things where investment needs to be and where we need to keep moving with the times and dentistry is moving so fast in terms of technology and digitalization that you have to move forward. But you've got to have, I know of practices where they have non-clinical practice managers who's like, nope, don't need that. Nope, we haven't got the money. Whereas I can see the benefits from a clinical point of view of getting that piece so of equipment. So it's clear that you, uh, there is great benefit mm. Huge benefit. From, from you doing these two roles yeah. for everybody. Yes. And the team quite like it as well because, again, I've heard my reception staff go, well, we can pass you over to the practice manager who is also a hygienist in the practice and she can give you her opinion or I've been yeah. asked for second opinions on, you know, issues within staff, within the team. And sometimes people don't realise, but 
I think it's a huge bonus. Granted, some of my non-clinical practice manager colleagues out there are phenomenal and I take my hat off to them. But having a clinical background yeah. massively helps the management side of things. Um, and it it just works. And I, I think because of the nature of how dentistry is, GPs are slightly different. But with dentistry, because of the nature of what we do and how closely we get with, with patients and the intricacies that go into it, having somebody with any sort of a clinical head, dental nurse, hygienist, therapist, whatever, having that clinical background, they just get it. They get what needs to be done and they get how it needs to be done, sometimes more so than a non-clinical person in that role. Um, Advice-wise, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Job share, you know, half and half. I'll do that bit, you do that bit, I don't like that bit sort of thing. Mm. Work your way into it. I possibly wouldn't advise somebody to jump into it with both feet first like I did. Turned up on my first day and went, oh, I'm running the place, now what? Hmm, panic <laughs> kind of thing. And I, we'd had a gap of four months where we had no practice manager before I took over. I had four months worth of catch up. And then we had our first CQC inspection in the May. That was a fun time. Um, well, we, and we could do a whole episode on, on that exactly. subject, couldn't we? Yeah. So, well. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if you're going to go into it, I'd absolutely say go for it. There are some phenomenal practices out there that would give any practice manager the chance to develop and, and flourish. Um, and also, I think for the wider team, it's good to know what goes on behind the scenes. It's good to know, ah, we have to do that in that way because of that. These are the consequences of not having that process, having that policy, following that procedure, et cetera. Because some people turn up for work, they do the job and they go home. They've got no idea what goes on in the running of it. But when something goes wrong, they tend to be the first people to point fingers and proportion blame and, well, that wasn't done right and I wasn't told. And, well, actually, if you understood why it went wrong and you understood why things have to be done in a certain way, half the time that solves the problem. Um, but I'd definitely say go for it. It's the best, yeah, it's the best thing I ever did. Best decision I ever made, I think. So find the right practice and ease yourself into it. Yeah, definitely. So you've always continued your clinical practice. Yeah. And why, why have you always continued that? Because I love it. I love it. And I worked hard for two years to develop that skill set. And I pushed myself to the limit personally. I'd only been married a year when I went off to train to be a hygienist. Um, I didn't see my husband for two years because he worked a night shift so that he wasn't there when I was home in the evenings and studying. Um, and it really, really pushed me as a person. And I enjoy it. And I'd like to think I'm pretty good at it. And my patients like me. And I've now got a really loyal base of patients that I'm at the stage that, oh, I'll only see Amy. No, 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 it's fine. If she's not there, I'll wait for some, I'll, I'll wait for her to come back. That's nice. Which is really <laughs> nice. It's really lovely. Um, I've got patients that come from miles away to see me from the South Coast. And we're based in Reading. I've got one couple, they make a three and a half hour round trip just to come to see me for their hygiene appointments. And that's really lovely. Um, and, you know, we, we've all got stories like that, haven't we? Because yeah. actually people do, they're coming to see you, they? Aren't do. They? And I, I took over the role as the hygienist in the practice from somebody who'd been there a very long time, was very well established and had to leave for medical reasons. So the patients had already had a bit of upheaval. I then had to step in as a complete unknown entity. Oh, it's just, you know, to coin the phrase that you don't like, 
just another hygienist. Um, but I had to work really hard to kind of find my footing and find where I am and fit in with the practice because I was the newest hygienist. The others had all been there Do you know that, much longer. It's quite funny you say that story because I remember when I my first job, yeah. I took over somebody who went on maternity leave. Right. And her name was Jane. And I'm Julia. And we looked extremely similar. <laughs> so for the first year of my job, yes. I was called Jane. Yes. <laughs> And I can tell you it was quite hard. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure that quite a few people would relate to stories yep. like that. So, yep. yes, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, one does establish these things. Absolutely. Um, and I had a, After I, a period of time. Yeah, so, and I yeah. had a big pair of shoes to fill from the person I took over from. Um, and I worked really hard to fill those shoes, but actually to carve out my own place within the team and within the clinical team and with patients. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. Plus, on a Saturday, which is my second working day of the week in surgery, I love working Saturdays. It's just chilled. So I think it's really interesting you saying how much you love the clinical side of things. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, I'm intrigued. So you're doing two days a week at the moment. Do you think you'd still love that clinical practice as much if it was five days a week? Do you think it's the, the split with the practice management that lets you love the clinical practice a little bit more than you maybe would have done otherwise? Or yeah. Am I just putting words in your mouth by saying that? No, I think that's a valid question. And for me personally, I think probably the 70-30 split is what does keep me motivated and invigorated. Dental hygiene is very repetitive and it's fundamentally the same thing over and over again in a different Ooh, format with different patients. <laughs> to a degree, to a degree. It's oral hygiene instruction. It's chatting with patients. It's... But do you not think that's the same as dentistry? I mean, the things that make it different are different teeth, different patients. Yeah. How you but if might... you look at a dentist's day, they're going from a checkup to a filling, to an extraction, to a crown preparation, back to a morning of checkups. They might have some children. They might have some adults. With hygienists, certainly where, where I work, yeah. predominantly it's adults. We right. see very few okay. children. The odd teenager, we might get the odd one or two, maybe a bit more in half terms and school holidays. It's predominantly right. adults. Okay. It's predominantly, in our particular practice, we have probably 50% is our routine general patients. We then have 25% is our um, referred patients for specific periodontal disease, periodontal treatment, maintenance. And then 25% are our referral patients for implants and all the other specialties that we have under one roof. Right. So... For me, it can be quite a repetitive day. If you've got a day of six-month appointments, three-month appointments, technically, in its basis form, it's the same thing over and over again. I couldn't work as a hygienist doing that four or five days a week. I would just go mad. So for me, having that practice management side means time away from surgery, time away from patients, as much as I love that role. But also because my day is so varied, I can go from, you know, a new patient who hasn't seen a hygienist in 10 years, which I love that sort of challenge, to somebody that I've been seeing every six months for five years, to a quadrant under local for root surface deprivement. My day is quite varied and that keeps it invigorating in itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I've got colleagues that work in practice that don't deal with periodontal patients to a degree. They don't deal with specialists. They do fundamentally on its basis term, the same thing over and over again. That's not me. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So it does having that split. Yeah, it does keep it motivated. And also 
because I'm a hygienist, I could also nurse if I have to. If ever we're short staffed, I've jumped in and I've nursed. Um, I've run for implants. I can, you know, stick myself in the decon for two hours. I can go and sit behind reception. I can't do dentistry, but I can do everything else in the practice if I need to. So it, well, it, they must just love having you there. <laughs> yeah. Anything goes wrong. Where's Amy? How do we fix this? So, but yeah, it keeps it, it keeps it exciting. It keeps it inspiring for me to want to go to work every day and not go. Oh. Yeah. I, I think it's you know that whole I mean? thing of differences, isn't yeah. it really? It, and, and if you have a different role, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> lucky enough that I in my practice yeah. do have a whole range of patients I mean yeah. people might be a bit surprised to hear that given my location but mm. you know actually I I have anything from you know a five-year-old to a 95 year old yeah. um so yes yeah and don't get me wrong I've got some hygiene colleagues that are happy working in practice seeing regular patients not moving out of their comfort zone that's not for me I want a challenge when I go to work and some days I look at my day list and go oh, it's six month or after six month or after six month. Other days I'll go in and I go, woohoo, I've got five solid hours of perio patients. Bring it on. Love it. For me, it it makes it interesting. And working Saturdays as well is just phenomenal because it's just a different day of the week. I hear this all it's the wonderful. time. I've never worked on a Saturday. It's wonderful. Yep, Saturday's I mean, a good. I'll, you, I'll back that up. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, I, I just, more chill, yeah, relaxed. I was going to say, everybody weekend. says the atmosphere is amazing. Nobody's, nobody's clock watching. Nobody's got to get for the school run. Nobody's running late for work. Um, the most I get, we have a large supermarket around the corner from us, is they've got to go and do their food shopping afterwards. Um, <laughs> it's just chilled. And when I first started in the practice, Saturday was like a, an extra day. Um, we always had a hygienist on a Saturday and we always had one dentist. Now it's a normal working day. So we have five surgeries in the practice. Most Saturdays we have four out of the five running. We have two hygienists every Saturday. Uh, I do eight till five. My colleague does nine till five. Our specialist endo does three Saturdays a month. Our specialist perio does one Saturday a month. We have an associate yeah, who yeah. does two no, Saturday I, mornings. I, I think that it whole works. thing, you know, we, we'd all probably say, you know, our first appointments of the day and our last appointments of the day yeah. go. And I'm sure it goes for yeah. Saturdays that they're fully booked. Because yeah. like and you say, everybody we, wants to We have a group them. of, I mean, our practice is slightly unique because we open eight in the morning till eight in the evening, Monday to Thursday. We only close at five on a Friday and Saturday. So we have some patients that cannot come during the working week. They physically can't get there. I've got a family that I've been seeing every three months, mum, dad, and early teens son now. Um, and they are my half past three, my four o'clock and 4.30 on a Saturday, every three months, like clockwork. And it, it, th that's the only time they can come. They run their own business. They're incredibly busy. They've been at work since six on a Saturday. So for them, Saturday afternoon, they go home, they jump in the shower, they come out and they come and see me for their hygiene appointment. It just works. Try a Saturday. Trust me, you'll never go back. <laughs> yeah. No, never I, back. I, I, you're not the first time. This is, yeah. this, I hear it all of the time. And so. it works for me from a childcare point of view. Hubby's got Litlin. I haven't got to worry. I'm not looking at my phone going, are the school going to ring? Am I going to have to pick him up? Dad's got him. Problem solved. Well, there we go. Okay. Listeners, you need yes. to start working on the Saturday. It's the future. <laughs> Um, so there's a whole host of different things you've talked about uh, mm. up until this point about all the things that you enjoy and the, mm. and the good things. Yeah. But what specific thing would you say is the best thing about the way that you're working at the moment? If you had to pinpoint one. That's really hard. Um, to be honest, the first thing that springs to mind is the bunch of people that I work with. 
Um, we are 21, 22 of us. Um, specialists, dentists, nurses, hygienists, reception staff. Um, we are very close-knit. We are like a big family. Um, we look after each other. We work hard. We laugh together. Mm. And actually, if we didn't You hear have this so team, much, don't you? I mean, it is, yeah, it is like a family. It and is. I, and I think patients, funny enough, one of my patients said to me recently, because my dental nurse has worked with me, mm-hmm for nearly nine years. And she said to me, Julia, you have no idea mm. the impact of walking into this room with both of you, because she said, I know that yeah. you're happy, yeah. you know, so I mean, actually yeah. that whole yeah. thing, people do pick up those things more. Absolutely, you know, so absolutely. And we're at the point now with lots of our Happy team, where, happy patients and that yeah, sort of thing, you know, isn't if, it? If one, of our, if one of our nurses is off, you'll get patients going, where's so-and-so? Why, why isn't she... In- she is allowed time off for holiday. <laughs> um, you know, things like that. Or you'll get patients go, oh, when I come for my implant placement, will you be there? And they're actually requesting to have nurses with them now, which is, it's just lovely. And, you know, we're a big team. We don't always socialise together outside of work. Um, but, you know, we have a, a team chat and we have a laugh. My son's not well at the moment and I posted a message and every team member came back going, I'm really sorry, anything you need, you know. And they genuinely mean it. Yeah. They genuinely care about, we all care about everybody else. So ultimately, I think the team make it um, probably closely followed by the patients. We've got a really lovely bunch of long-standing I think people. we should use the word probably, should we, just in case there's any of our listeners listening to these podcasts. <laughs> they are really important, all of you, yeah. every single one yeah. of you. Um, but they... And they they make the job. They you know we've all got those patients that you look at their name on the list and think, oh such and such is coming. It's going to be a brilliant appointment. Um, or you you see those names where you think, ah, they weren't having a great time last time. I want to check up on them and see how they are. Or you'll clock a name. And you think that person hasn't been in for a while. You know. And I've I've rung a couple of people that I've suddenly thought haven't seen them for a while. And I'm lucky enough with some of the relationships of my patients that I can pick up the phone and go, is everything all right? You said last time things weren't great. You know, are you doing okay and what have you? And they really appreciate it. Um, So, yeah, I think the team first and then the patient second, definitely. So you've you've touched on the team thing and you've Hmm. obviously been quite heavily involved in this practice and it's been nominated for several awards. Yep. What what do you think makes a, a sort of practice get nominated for awards? I mean, what what makes that place an award winning? Even if you're you don't necessarily um, get the final yeah. reward, as yeah. it were, but to be nominated is just, I, and frankly, I think is as as lovely as being absolutely um, awarded it. But yeah. so, what what makes that team? Do you think? Um, I think it's a combination of things. We as a team very firmly believe in going over and above. And we always have done. I've taken patients home. Um, I've driven them home when it's been raining or they haven't been able to get to us. We go to patients' funerals. Um, We've been asked by members of the family. We send birthday cards and we send get well cards and wedding cards. And, you know, we, we look after our patients. We see them as part of our extended team family. Um, And, it's it's the team also recognizing the work that goes in not everybody sees everything that everybody does but it's happening and for us to recognize it ourselves or to single out that member of staff that's gone actually do you know what that was absolutely brilliant what you did with that patient you know you really went over and above to do that 
Um, I mean, we've all got our pandemic stories, but I was hand delivering temporary crown and bridge kits to patients' front doors and delivering hand delivering antibiotics when elderly patients couldn't get out to the pharmacy to get their prescriptions fulfilled for antibiotics over the phone and ringing on some of our vulnerable patients and saying, all right, do you want to chat? Do you know, I, I, I think COVID, it, it obviously was an awful time. Yeah. But I, I hear, well, obviously we've heard bad stories. Mm. But actually, there are some really lovely yeah. stories that have coming yeah. out of the COVID and situation. I think also from a team perspective, and I'm sure I talk for every dental team in the country, let alone GP teams, hospital teams, it brought us all closer together because mm. we were all going yeah. through it together. You know, I used to joke with patients that we look like Darth Vader dressed up as a banana going to a fancy dress party <laughs> when you've got your mask and your gown on. We've still got photographs up in the practice to in our sort of our private staff areas you know it's it's that recognition that actually as a team we do work together and we do put our patients first and it's nice to be recognized for doing it because some people think it's just a given well that's just what they do well it is just what we do but we do it because we want to do it and we enjoy doing it as well when you get that patient go do you know what I was really touched by that or thank you so much for sending that card it just that's why I did it that's do you know what I mean? It's that human contact that sometimes in our profession can get a little bit lost because of the nature of what we're doing. Yeah. So on top of all of those different things that you're doing for your patients, mm-hmm. you're also um, trying to invest and make the most of your staff. And one of the things that that you've uh, coordinated is a study club within the practice. And I think that's quite interesting because, again, that's not something that you have to do that's something that you've nope. you've decided that that you want to do and some people listening might think actually that's a good idea that's something that we might want mm. to do so can you just talk a little bit more about about that what led you to doing that what you think the benefits are of that and why somebody else should maybe start thinking about that in their practice so i think learning from your colleagues is one of the best ways to learn and getting that first-hand experience of this is what we do this is why we do it this is how it works and We've all been to dental lectures, sat in a boring, stuffy lecture hall, thinking, when is this person going to stop really? talking? I've never done <laughs> have that. You not? No, no, I constantly. I've not been to I've been all of these um, yeah, speakers but, you know, and never we've, fall asleep anyway. We've all anywhere. been to lectures where it's, you know, death by PowerPoint kind of yeah. thing. Um, and we wanted to just make something a little bit fun and a little bit sociable. So we've been doing them now since probably the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. We keep them quite small. They're in the practice. Um, We close early for an evening and we've had a variety of speakers. We've used some of our own specialists that we have on team, some of our own dentists. We've got some external speakers in. Um, We've got a a referring dentist locally, for example, who's um, a dentist and uh, oral med qualified as well. So he came in about four or five years ago now and did sort of lumps and bumps to look for in the mouth, which is really key and really on topic. Um, We had somebody come in a couple of years ago, um, the lovely Jo Ingham, who came in and did uh, sort of like a dental legal aspect. Um, Various people have have spoken. And it's just a chance for colleagues to come together because sometimes as well, dentistry can be really lonely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that... Do you know what I mean? We touched on that with other guests. You're in practice with three colleagues, but you don't actually see anybody. You've got you and your nurse sometimes, or if you're a hygienist and you work without a nurse, you're on your own. And it's really lonely sometimes. And sometimes we've all had those situations, and I'm 
talking more for dentists now where they've gone, I have no idea what to do with this patient. They've got three things wrong and I don't know what order to do it in and I don't know where to start. And actually, I don't know who to turn to to help me. And that was one of our basis. We've always been, I'll never forget the second study club we had. We had a dentist, very lovely, just sat at the back, very quiet. And at the end, my principal, who kind of leads them, said, uh, has anybody got any questions? And he just produced a pair of study models. I went, I've got this case, help. <laughs> And within 20 minutes, he had the 11 other dentists that were in the room passing around the study models. And what would you do that? And discussing the occlusion. And I was like, fantastic. Yeah. That's what dentistry is about. We've all got those cases that we don't know where to start. Or have I done it the right way? Have I done the best thing? Um, but you say that, uh, that it's for dentists. I mean, I was away last weekend with two girlfriends that I've mm -hmm. qualified with. And I can tell you... <laughs> Several times over that weekend, there was a discussion about electric toothbrushes, yeah. about mouthwash, yeah. about... Oh, you, you know, know how yeah. to lift you. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> there, was, there was a little bit more than that, but, you know, yeah. this is a podcast, so I don't want to yeah. share the secrets. But, you know, I mean, I, I think we, we end true. up, you know, it's having true. those kind of conversations, we really. Do. We do. Um, we, it may be in a formal setting, but actually, you know, when you're all sitting around a table, sometimes you, you have them in a very casual way. Yeah, and we've we've never we've never had a closed door policy. So our study club is not dentists only. We open it to everybody. The fact that people choose not to come, that's entirely up to them. Yeah. And I suppose sometimes they'll look at the topic and for example as a dental nurse and they'll they may go actually that's I don't need to know that or that's not directly relevant. The same with a hygienist. Um, however, when the perio gradings came out, we did a huge one with Upidaba, who's our specialist perio and we had, it's the biggest study club we've ever done. We started getting the responses in and I'm like, we're not going to fit everybody in. <laughs> um, and with a week to go, we suddenly had to find a hotel function room because we had over 150 people turn up and the room was predominantly hygienists. And it was like, wow, this is incredible. Um, we've had hygienists and therapists come along, which is great. We did, when we had our CQC inspection in 2017, I did my first study club talking about my experiences as a practice manager and going through it because it was oh, not you know, long. I can, I can feel a question coming on. Go on. Because it was not know. long after they changed how they monitor practices. And a lot of our practices in the area hadn't been inspected under the new system. So it was my opportunity to go, actually, it wasn't that bad. And this is kind of what they're looking for. And this is kind of how it goes. Yes. Um, and again, most of the room were practice managers. Because I think people are still a bit intimidated by these in inspections. So, I mean, yeah. I think the fact that you were standing up there saying, hey, I've I've done yeah. one, I'm, I'm yeah. doing one, I'm actively working on it. Absolutely. I think it must have been extremely reassuring. Yeah, and even for some of the dentists that, you know, we've got a couple of sort of single-handed practitioners nearby that were very kind of, oh, I know I'm going to fail if I have one. And I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, no, it's a... let's let's work together. And a couple of them actually sort of came to me on the slide and they were like, can I ask you a question about my practice? And I was like, you can ask. I don't know how much help I can give, yeah. but it's just sharing those experiences. Yeah. And it's with things like the CQC, people don't want to ask questions because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about. They don't mm. want to ask the wrong question potentially. But this this whole podcast is about sharing by experience, mm. isn't it? Because actually, we 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 are predominantly a careers podcast, but yep. actually, we're also here to inspire people yes. and think outside of their um, original mm. qualification. But actually, like you say, I mean, to just sort of learn from other people's yep. experiences is so valuable. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah. uh, certainly those ones that terrify us all um, yeah. are the best ways of learning, aren't they? And I find when it comes to the CQC, we've all got the same worries. We've all got the same questions, but nobody wants to be the one to put their hand up in the room first and ask that question. So, you know, if we can all help each other, you know, why not? And from the study clubs, we're lucky that we've really grown our referral base. Um, we've got some lovely dentists that we now work really closely with. And now... I'm in that position now where I now get their practice managers ringing me going, can I pick your brains? Can I ask what you would do with this? Who do you use for this? Which before the study clubs, I didn't know them, didn't talk to yeah. them. It was they, That was their practice. And now we are much more collaborative in that true sense of the word, which is great because practice management's lonely as well. Who wants <laughs> to talk to the boss kind of thing? So, so there's so many benefits then of the, the study club. And I think mm. often is the case. It's not even necessarily the topic of the study session that's the benefit. It's no. all the other things that come Absolutely. from speaking to other yep. people, yes. getting to yep. know people yep. and all the benefits of, of that. So, yeah, it sounds yeah. like and anybody I think that's, thinking about that's, it, go ahead. That's almost a little bit like when we go to conference now, you know, some, of course you sit there and learn something from a lecture, yep. but actually you can learn just as much from talking to somebody in the queue for the coffee, yeah, yeah, so exactly. the, you know, yeah. to, to be peering over somebody's shoulder yeah. while they're looking at, um, yeah. I don't know, a product on an yeah. exhibition stand and that sort of thing. So but even from suppliers, we had we had a surgical um, study club a couple of years ago now. Our oral surgeon was talking, and we got one of the big suppliers in to come along and be a sponsor. And they came along and they had their stand. And I remember one dentist went, "I didn't know you did all this." to the supplier and I was like what <laughs> and he'd only ever used them for his general day-to-day -day consumables he didn't realize they had this whole surgical section as well placed a huge order and walked out and I was like ha ha there you go introduction made so even for suppliers yeah. sometimes when they can get involved they reach an audience that maybe they've never thought to target or never thought to approach because they're always known for selling that one particular thing yes but actually they do everything else as well so it all kind of kind of works together so with all those different experiences, and there's a, a lot of different things that we've touched on, and I'm sure we've only probably just scratched the surface. My next question is, so what's next for you? Oh, so we've got God. this clinical aspect, hygiene. We've got this practice management aspect. Mm -hmm. Is there a movement to practice ownership on the cars? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, no, I'm at the moment, I'm happy. Well, you said that so quickly. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I take my hat off to practice owners. I take my hat off to hygienist practice owners. I think what you guys have done is phenomenal for the hygienist profession in terms of we can have practices and being recognized yeah. in that way. I think it's absolutely groundbreaking. It's not for me. Um, for me, at the moment, I'm happy where I am. Um, and that's my, not a bad thing. It, it's not. My work-life balance fits. I have an eight and a half year old, so I have that freedom and that flexibility. Um, God, it doesn't sound like you've got that much freedom and flexibility with all <laughs> of the jobs you were talking about. <laughs> I, I do. I'm, I'm learning how to kind of portion that bit off and go. Nope, not doing that. So I'm going to be mum today, kind of thing. I've got two mobiles, for example. So I have a work phone and I have my personal phone. Oh. Um, Handy tip for all of the listeners who absolutely. are thinking about doing these things. Do you know what? A work mobile is the way forward. Because when you go on holiday, you turn it off, you put your out of office on, you turn it off, it goes in a drawer. Mm, doesn't come with nice. you. That's I'm nice. not there for a week. Not happening. I've got my personal phone. Three of my colleagues have my personal number and they know to contact it for a work reason. If the CQC walk through the door, if there's a flood or a fire or a death, literally. Because it, it's having that balance. Yeah, no, I think that's... Um... That's absolutely admirable yeah. because I am sorry to say that I don't have a work phone. 
and I know lots of people that don't. And I just think for me and my headspace, I can't be doing it. I've had a work phone now for two and a half years and I will not go back. It's fantastic. Um, I'd like to develop my clinical skill set further. Um, I'm starting to veer towards a bit of a hygienist with special interest in periodontal disease treatment management kind of pathway. Um, that's the bit I really enjoy from my clinical side. Um, so I'm investigating the best way to proceed with that. With the practice management side, um, we are a corporate, so there are opportunities within that. But at the same time, it is nice maintaining our little bit of independence that we have. Um, I don't have any practice management qualifications at all. I have no MVQ, no diploma, no nothing. So it would be nice to get some official qualification to sort of go, actually, I'm certified to be able to do this now. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the moment, certainly for the next two to three years, apart from maybe investigating the hygienist side a bit more, I'm kind of happy where I am. But one day, who knows? Never say never. Never exactly. say never. Yeah. That's great to hear. Well, perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak thank to you. Thank you for having yeah, me. Thank you so yeah. much for coming in no, and thank you for talking about um, your journey. Yeah, you're very welcome. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. Mm-hmm.